And good morning. It is an early Thursday morning, and that is because I'm here with Pauline Pangan. Um, you're actually in Melbourne, so you're not that far away, but it looks like it's in the middle of the night. Um, welcome to the Art of Service live stream. And today's discussion is all about your entrepreneurial journey, um, risks you've taken over the years, um, how you manage and mitigate risk within your own business. And I'm basically just intrigued by your by your story because we met on LinkedIn, which is yeah. you know most people I meet outside of uh, outside of the virtual world, but we actually met on LinkedIn, and I am just so excited that you're here to have a chat with me. Thank you very much, Pauline. Thank you for having me, Ivanka, and to your wonderful audience. Good morning from Melbourne. Oh, fantastic. Um, Pauline, how do you normally introduce yourself? So when you meet new people, um, I, I realize there's a, um, there's a business persona and there's a personal Pauline. Um, <laughs> how do you normally introduce yourself? What's important for you? Well, you know what? I've had my business for close to 11 years now, so I usually start by introducing what I do. Um, so I'm Pauline. I'm the founder and managing director of AF Digital. And then I go on and share about my passion for well-being, my passion for technology, and my passion for women. I love um, helping women reach their full potential. These are the three things that I'm really passionate about. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and how did you... Um... I mean, you know, the 10-year-old Pauline, uh, if you would have asked her, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It wow. would not have been, I want to be a Salesforce partner. No, <laughs> there is no way in hell it would have been, I would have answered that. Wow, I haven't been asked that question for a very long time. But to tell you the truth, when I was 10 years old, I had many, many dreams. Um, I wanted to be a flight attendant, believe it or not. <laughs> I wanted to be a teacher, but you know what? My parents were entrepreneurs and I also wanted to be an entrepreneur. Okay. I have no idea what it will be. It would never, I never would I have imagined that it will be in technology. No. So, because that was going to be my next question. So have you always been very interested in technology or uh, were you very good at science and math at school? Not at all. Absolutely not. I would never have thought that, I, like, if I wake up now and, if, and I say, for example, I had a coma and I woke up now, I'd be like, what the hell am I doing in technology? To be honest, to be perfectly honest. Um, so my passion has always been in business. So when I started the business, I'm the founder of AF Digital. When I started, my background was always in marketing. So I was a it, I was working in Singapore for three years. I was in events, marketing, and PR when I was living there. I was working for a boutique agency that's been around for, very, for a very long time. So when I joined them, they've been around for 25 years. And they have, I've been very privileged to be working with large brands. So global financial crisis hit. This was 2008. Um, my job was very secure, but... Everyone in Singapore, they were losing their jobs left and right. And it was a very bleak time. During this time, I was already feeling like I need to, um, you know, I feel like I need to do something and grow. I've always wanted to start my own business. And I said to myself, this might be the perfect time to do so. I was 27 at that time. And I thought, like, if I'm going to fail, I might as well fail now. Mm. Fall flat on my face. It's just me. I'm not, you know, I don't have I don't have children. I don't have huge responsibilities. But to really just make myself 
you know, like live and survive. So that's what I did. I quit my job. Everyone told me I was crazy because they were like, you have a great job. Your boss loves you. Everyone's losing their job. It's like a global financial crisis. They were saying you, you're making a rash decisions. So you're not thinking this through. So I quit my job and went back to the Philippines and I had to find myself. I did a lot of um, small businesses. Like I started buying and selling clothes, sold it to a lot of my model friends. And that kept me going for a while, but it wasn't really scalable. I started a small restaurant. It was it failed miserably. I know nothing about restaurant. And I found myself, oh, my gosh, should I just like go back to work? And then I said, I'll give it another go. So I started, you know, I printed my business card. I registered um, a marketing agency. That's what I was good at anyway. Um, and that's what I did. I started small. I started cold calling mm. every person that I could possibly call eight to nine hours in my apartment. I was just calling every day. It was boring as hell, but I was determined to, to make it work. Yeah. And then my friend, one of my friends, she, she, ha you know, she has like a, an events company at that time and she said to me well you know what we can partner because I don't really do the kind of events and um, you know PR work that you did when you were in Singapore so that's what we did and we pitched to a client and that we were able to win that client that's new for her because that wasn't like the kind of events that she was doing and she helped me really just build my portfolio and then I started pitching to other companies and lo and behold I was like oh this is amazing I couldn't believe that I was able to um, win projects. I had no, I didn't have a team. It was just me. I had no background. It was really just my selling ability and the perseverance. Yeah. So funnily enough, my business partner, um, she, he got so intrigued. So when I was doing that, I was just by myself. And then I met this guy and he was like, I want to start my own business too. He was a consultant for IBM. And he was like, well, I don't know anything about marketing. I was like, no, let's just, you know, put our um, skills together. He was in tech. I was in marketing. <laughs> let's pull our skills together. And we started, I started bringing him to some of my clients. And the clients started talking about technology, marketing technology. Start, clients started talking about digital marketing. Clients started talking about social media. And we had no idea back then. So we just started Googling it and searching it and, you know, started winning clients. And then a miracle happened, Ivanka. So um, we were at this party and we were speaking to uh, one of this Australian guy and we started telling him what we were doing. And we just said, like, um, you know, we, we're starting to look into content marketing. We're starting to look into tech marketing. We're starting to look into um, digital marketing and social media marketing because, for some reason, these are what the clients are asking for on top of the events and PR that we're offering. Right there and then he said to us, I want to invest in your business. And in my mind, I'm like, who is this crazy guy? Why in the world? <laughs> <That's> random. <laughs> why, would he, why would he be interested? And this is, a, I had no idea what his background was. And you know what? A week later, he transferred us the money, transferred us to his office, and introduced us to salesforce.com. So mm. that guy turned out to be the founder of um, Cloud Sherpas. And Cloud Sherpas sold to Accenture for a hefty amount of money. They built their business from zero to $150 million in eight years. So when they sold to Accenture, you can imagine um, 
you know, the kind of return that they got from that. Yeah. And that guy has has been our coach um, and he was on to introduce us to Salesforce. So the merging of our marketing expertise, our marketing practice and technology, that was when the magic happened. Yeah. A- so I, I heard a lot of things and I'm very rude cutting you off because I heard a lot of things in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to sort of go back to um, the beginning of your, of your story because it's, it's one of those, you know, 10-year overnight success stories. <laughs> yes. it's, um, so take me back to those early days where you said you had a lot of little businesses. You just tried, failed, tried, failed, tried, failed. Um, how did that make you feel and what did that do for you at that stage? Okay, that's a great question. So when my first business failed, the restaurant, I felt miserable. <laughs> I was like, what the hell am I doing? Have I ruined my life completely? Um, I was a fool. I, I I had a lot of, you know, like, you know, shame because I'm like, fuck, maybe my, my parents were right. Maybe my friends were right. Maybe I made a rash decision, but I pulled myself back up. I said, so what? Nothing's no, I'm not harming anyone. I get to try again. So mm. I did. I said, I can always go back to work. I can always go back to Singapore, call my boss and say, hey, I need my job back. He's not going to mm. refuse me. There are all, so many companies that I can work for in the whole marketing space. Right. But that's just admitting defeat. So mm. I gave another I gave it another go. So that's why I said I should go into marketing. But knowing that I can't fail again. That's what really drove me to be calling constantly for hours and hours, for days and days. And as, mind you, Ivanka, that was really boring. <laughs> that was really painful because when, when I was working in Singapore, it was a very, you know, it, it was a fabulous job. It was um, glamorous. I was, you know, walking in in large corporations, doing all of these amazing events. I was mm-hmm. driving around in a big city. And then I ended up back in the Philippines. Um alone away from all of my friends so it was a very difficult time of my life but for me I'm like I know what I want to be and I'm not just going to admit defeat and so I had to give myself another goal I bet on myself again yeah and and looking looking back on that because in your introduction you also said that you're you know you're passionate about women you're passionate about entrepreneurship um what is it from that time that you now want to pass on to starting entrepreneurs women entrepreneurs what is it from that time that's a beautiful question i would say to women this is what i always say with my team i always say to anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur i wasn't special there was nothing special about me i didn't come from like a harvard you know management um there was nothing that i can be bragging about. It wasn't like I came from like 20 years of experience working as a CMO of a large brand. It wasn't like it came from money. Mm. From that story, I told you, I sat down and did the work and cold called and, you know, desperately reaching out to every person that I could day in and day out until Mm. someone gave me a chance. Who cannot do that? Anybody in this world who cannot do that work. So that's what I say to women. Like, you want to be an entrepreneur, you can be. Do yeah. the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, if you think you can, you will. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the other part of the story that I heard was your 
ability to work with partners and your ability to identify partners. Because how is that different from, because you started on your own, you started as a single yeah. co- single founder, yeah. um, but then quickly you had your, your IBM friend that yeah. um, ended in the business and then you got your investor. Yeah. Um, what is the difference in doing it by yourself and doing it with partners? Yeah. Well, the first thing is like, of course, you number one, you have to know you're relinquishing control, right? It's mm-hmm. no longer just about your vision. Your bit, you would have to obviously think about what they want, what they want to achieve. In the beginning, it's like, it's all about me. What do I mm-hmm. want to achieve for this? What is my dream? When you start bringing in other partners, you think, what is our dream? What is our vision? And then you find that common ground. When we have, you know, when our investor joined us, I was just like blown away. I'm like, what should we do? <laughs> I was like, you're so successful. You're our mentor. What should we do? So um, that is a great thing. For me, that is the greatest thing that ever happened to me in business. And to be honest with you, Ivanka, I didn't work for that. But this is what I always tell people as well. There is this book by Paolo Coelho when he said that when you want something, you truly want something, the whole world conspires for you to get it. So I put it out in the world that I'm committed. I'm going to sit my bum down here and I'm going to do the work. And then, you know, the universe in all its majestic ways, like introduced me to these partners that I didn't even thought I wanted. Yeah. Um, and they're, the thing is like, you know what, when they say one plus one equals 10, the center, this whole synergic, synergistic energy that really mm-hmm. blows up because yeah. I didn't have the technical um, capability or did I have the experience to show for, but that is what my business partner brought. When yeah. the two of us met, the only thing that was missing was that introduction to, to Salesforce. But I cannot say I planned for that, right? I can't say I worked hard for that, but I allowed for the situation for that to be an open opportunity for it to happen. Yeah. And the whole thing about that is the willingness to work together and humble yourself and think that someone else is smarter than me. And that's a great thing. Yeah. For me, if you know what they say, if you're the smartest one on the table, you're in the wrong t- table. And that's what I've always felt. And for me, that is a privilege. But yeah. that requires a lot of humility and a lot a, a lot of um, you know, being able to discern that, yeah, other people they can change the trajectory of the business in a good way. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, even though you said you didn't plan for it, um, um, and this is an assumption, your goal setting processes, because yeah. I'm assuming you do set goal and you work towards your goal. I mean, there's a reason why you're in Melbourne and, and doing this. So what is your go to process? How do you set your goals? How do you um, plan out your your vision? OK, that's amazing. That's a wonderful question. So I have to. I always have to. So the business, and I do that with my team, with my founders and my business partners, and I trust them completely. So when we do that for the business, we look at the growth that we've had, and we'd have to do this. We've been doing this exercise again for the new financial year. The growth that we've had, the um, potential of our industry, and our ambition. Mm -hmm. So between those three things, it has to be a little bit um, uncomfortable but it has to be realistic. Otherwise, you're just going to get, you know, disappointed. And that's mm. not a great 
everything because you you introduce that to the entire team. You make sure that the entire team is heading for that. So that's what we do. So a little bit uncomfortable, but realistic. And it's based on the growth that we have. So we've seen our growth for the last five years that's gone up to 60% on average. So for this year, what we wanted to is like 70%. That's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, that's based on the potential of their industry. The amazing thing about our industry is that because of the pandemic, everyone's in panic mode in terms of their di digitization. Before the pandemic, we still find ourselves evangelizing the market of the importance of, you know, do being doing the whole digital transformation. But after the pandemic, the conversation is a lot different. Mm -hmm. So we focused on um, the, if we were to focus on the potential of the, the market, it would really stretch us too far where our growth won't be organic. Mm. And that presents a lot of problems. And I don't like doing that because what we want is not to be comfortable, but to make sure that our growth is still based on the capacity of the team, that it won't burn us out. Because like one of our value is well-being. So after the pandemic, we made it to a point that that's part of our board metrics that we manage, mm. not profits over people, right? Um, we need to make sure that we value our health above anything else. And I always say to the team, because we cannot give from an empty cup. I'm in people business. I don't have service. I don't have products that I sell. I give to people. There's no tangible, but it's my team's intellect. It's my team's um, skills. It's, it's their um, capacity to serve. So I need to take care of their well-being because yep. their output is really my service. Yep. So that's that's how we look at in terms of goal setting. And then we share that with um, the business leaders um, once we align in terms of the board. And then we share that with the business leaders. And that's what we carry out. And we measure that on a quarterly basis. I, Ivanka, to be honest with you, it's not, we're not very good at measuring. Although I always mm -hmm. say, you know, what you cannot measure, you cannot manage. Yeah. You, you kind of like get lost in the grind, you get lost in the grind and day in and day out. But um, it, it, is a, it has to be a discipline. And that's something that I want us to be more disciplined this, this, um, this coming financial year. Mm -hmm. That's on the business side. On my personal side, I do that on a, yearly basis so at the end of the year i always do an audit of what I, I have achieved in all areas of my life and what i want to achieve for the new financial year um for the new year of um you know my life so i just turned 39 i think i said that on my one my last linkedin post so this is a big year for me because i'm not Yay. just <laughs> almost 40 almost 40 and it's not just measuring my one my last year it's measuring my last decade, right? Because for me, um, like 30 has given me so much blessings and learnings and struggles and, you know, amazing friendships. <clears throat> and for me, 40, because I, I believe in being intentional, right? I want to get into my 40 with my best health, not just with my physical body, but also with my mental and my emotional. And in order for me to achieve that, I need to think about what are my metrics? How can I actually measure that I'm getting better at things so um that's what i'm working out and i've got specific metrics that i want to achieve and then i break that down in terms of action for for, for just to give you an example so for my um physical for my physical health um i want to make sure i work out four times a week um 
that's hit workout, a combination of walking and a, a combination of um, yoga. And then I want to make sure that I'm back into plant-based diet. I want to make sure that I'm doing regular fasting. So those are the things that in, in order for me to achieve my, um, my health goals. And then when it, when it comes to mental, I, I read books. I don't read, I listen to Blinkist. Thanks to EO, we've got the... <laughs> I know, how good is that? Every day I have one book. That's my goal that I listen to. And then I also meditate twice a day. So those are the things that I, you know, in order for me to look at, I need to know what I'm measuring so that I know the actions that I'm going to, um, to take to achieve those um, metrics. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and you mentioned that you're turning 40 in about 11 and a half months. <laughs> um, the other number that I heard was 27, yes. which I sort of flagged in the back of my head because I find, and I, this may be totally um, irrelevant, but I find a lot of people have major life changes around that. It's almost like that quarter of their life. It, I, I always jokingly call it like the quarter life crisis. Like oh. it's either um, relationships blowing up, yep. <laughs> uh, new careers, new yeah. businesses, new, you know, new outlook on life. Um, you said at 27, you, you started your, your business. How, relevant was that age for you how did how did if you go back to that 27th year how was that similar or different to going into your 40th because oh, I think 40 is also you know we always and my husband and I always say like life starts with 40 like that's yes. when the fun starts yes. so <laughs> how is that for you those two those two brackets 27 40 Yes, thank you for that question. It's beautiful. So when I was 27, you're absolutely right about the whole quarter life crisis. That was bad. I hit that really bad. So everything changed for me that time. Um, my relationship, I was in a long term relationship. I, I, you know, I, I just knew that it wasn't the right relationship for me, but it was hard. Um, I was living in Singapore with my best friends from high school, and I had to leave that as well and start fresh in the Philippines. I had to leave a very comfortable job. And then I shifted from being an employee to being an entrepreneur. It was crisis mode. It was um, a lot of, um, I was in a lot of pain um, because for me, growing is painful. Imagine mm -hmm. a kid just growing their tooth for the first time. That's not, they're not thinking, this is so amazing. I love the feeling of my teeth growing. That's how they were, they would be crying. They were in constant pain. And I think that was what's happening for me. And obviously now I could say like, that was essential to, you know, to my journey. Um, right now, it's different. And that's why I'm so excited. I'm not in crisis mode. I am in, what, what would you say that I am in building mode, I am in planning mode, I am in sewing mode. And for me, I would say that it's because I always say that, you know, you either pay now or play later, or you play now or you pay later. 
I've done a lot of paying. So those years that I started my business, I really put my head down. I really was very focused and int intentional. Mm. A lot of people, they uh, obviously they had their careers as well. And um, a lot of them focused on their careers as well. A lot of them got married. A lot of my friends got married. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, this, that was a the time they thought, oh, this is my time to travel and have fun because before I get married and focus on my career, like, I was different. I was focused mm -hmm. on my business, 100% focused on my business. And I designed it that way because I said, I'm going to start a family when I'm ready, when I have removed the financial barrier for me to enjoy the life that I wanted and envisioned for myself and my family. So even as I get into my 40, I've got new ambitions now that I, in the beginning, I was like, I've had an inkling, but I'm starting to realize that it's time to go after those dreams. And honestly, I'm a bit early in terms of trying to um, put those uh, dreams in place. And it's exciting. Um, and that's, what, um, that's what's amazing about life. Like I read this once, when, when you plant a tree, the universe doesn't give you one fruit. The universe gives you trees and beautiful trees and, you know, endless supply of beautiful produce it's not just one tree because you put one tree you know one seed mm -hmm. right and that's what i'm seeing and that's what i'm experiencing and not, it's not just about financial yeah. it's about friendships it's about opportunities it's about learnings it's about growth it's a, it's about optimism it's about um character and mm -hmm. you know all of these amazing things that i'm seeing that it's maturing it's it's ripe for um you know picking yeah. And, yeah, and I can build on that. It's like the momentum has been gained. Yeah. That's the difference between the two. But yeah. that has been instrumental to where I am. Because if I didn't make that decision, Ivanka, I could have been like, you know what? I have a cushy job. You know, it's, it's, it's great to be here. Like, I'm respected. I know exactly what I'm doing with the work that I'm doing. Everyone's like hating their jobs anyway. Everyone's like losing mm. their jobs. I could have stayed and be comfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would have missed out on all of those growth and learning. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And the other thing that we connected over um, in the past yes. couple of months is <laughs> our risk appetite and adventure for just moving to a different country. Because um, you've gone from the Philippines to Singapore, back to the Philippines, and now you're in, in Melbourne. Um, what is it about moving countries that makes you oh. so excited? Oh, I'd love to hear your story too. We really have to um, discuss this offline and I'd love to hear your story about this too. Um, I could not um, recommend it enough. If there's any of your viewers right now thinking about it, I would, you know, I'd like, go ahead. Don't be afraid because it's hard. I think in one of my LinkedIn posts on my birthday, I was, you know, looking at the friends that I've met I like two years ago when I moved to uh, Melbourne, I didn't know any of them. I moved here. I was saying like, wow, it was Friday night. I'm like, I don't have one friend to call to go out with. <laughs> and I just realized like I moved to this state because I came from um, Sydney. So I moved from my original plan was to move to Sydney. My business partners were there. My, I already have a few staff that I have a great relationship with. We have a strong relationship with Salesforce. So I knew a lot of people there. Mm. I stayed there for six months. It became apparent that it would be better if we set up our office in Melbourne. 
I didn't know anybody in Melbourne <laughs> and it wasn't part of my plan. So, um, but I did cave and I'm happy that I did because I've met all these amazing people. Everything is a novelty when you move. So it's another opportunity for growth, right? Mm. You have to humble yourself. And, you know, the kindness of stranger just astounded me, Ivanka. So the people that I met through work, they know, they, they'd ask me, so where are you from? I said, oh, I just moved here in Melbourne. I've only been here a week. Oh, do you have friends? And they said, actually, no, I don't have a lot of friends. And they would say, oh, I'd love to take you out. I've heard that from so many people. And I could just, that reminded me of the kindness of strangers and, you know, how welcoming they were, their warmth and their hospitality. And they introduced me to friends. And, you know, on a Friday night, they'd say, hey, don't be, a, you know, don't be such a homer, a, a loner at home. Come out with us. Yeah, my friends would love to meet you. And they just, you know, they were so kind. And, you know, I'd always be grateful to those people. And they know they know I'm talking about them if they ever watch this video. And I was looking at, you know, when I was when I celebrated my birthday, I had about maybe 30, 40 people there. And I met them all through work because of their kindness mm. and warmth and, you know, their hospitality. And then when it comes to business as well, like obviously the market in the Philippines and market here is different. The challenges yep. are different. And I love learning from that's what I feel very privileged about, like listening to my clients and their challenges, their business challenges. Yeah. You, you just see so much growth and opportunity and the amazing restaurants. Everything you touch is so fresh. Yeah. And that's what really increases our well-being. That's really what makes us feel like life is worth living. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so fantastic. But let's change tact a little bit because let's nerd out on some technical things. Oh. <laughs> because you've gone headfirst into Salesforce. You're helping a lot of organizations implement um, Salesforce as a as a tool. So what is what is the main thing that what's the pain point? What what is it that keep keeps them up at night that they go like I need to talk to Pauline and her team. Um, I think we need to do a digital transformation or, or what's the main what's the main reason? That's a great question. So for Salesforce, it's one thing. It's increasing your um, customer relationship. It's called customer relationship management. So relationship with customers come in different forms, right? So the main right now what we're seeing is that data is really like a currency. It's like the new oil. Um, a lot of companies, they collect so much customer information, like number one, the relationship that they have, the transactions that they have, um, their website collection data, they're all of their digital assets, but they're all separate. They're coming from different parts of the business. They're often siloed, like marketing will do their marketing. Salespeople will do their own um, cold calling, relationship building. They would do all of the touch points with the client. Services would do the same thing. How often have you rang Telstra, for example, and said, I was just chatting with somebody from, you know, your Twitter account or your um, web chat. I already shared the issue that I have. Mm but they have no idea what issue when you, ring, when you ring them. That's because they don't have a single view of their customer. So that is what we're trying to solve. Mm. What we want to do is for you to be able to have that 360 degree view of how your customers are interacting with your business 
so that when you they you call them, oh, Ivanka, I saw that our marketing team just gave you this beautiful promotion because it's your birthday. I also saw that you called last week and said that you haven't received the package that your husband ordered for you because it's your birthday. That kind of context is what truly builds a strong mm. relationship between a company and a customer. But that's not easy to achieve because companies often have different tech stack to manage different parts of their business. So here comes Salesforce. They bring all of that data together, give you the full 360 view of your customer and make it easy for you. So connecting customer and their co companies and customers and building on that relationship. So once we've done that, then we can start to provide a lot more service. Oh, Ivanka is going on a trip. Why don't we send her um, and her husband, you know, uh, wish them well on their trip. And I think she loves fur coat. So why don't we give her this um, promotion for our recent um, winter collection? It's things like that. It's increasing the relationship, the interaction that you have mm -hmm. with the customer and the relevance that you have with them. Yeah. So that's that's what and, then, and then once once they've made that decision, what's the biggest issue in implementing? Because it's a big change when you when you change tools, you change your processes, you change the whole back end of your organization. Like what's the number one issue that they're running into? What's the biggest risk, I, I suppose I'm saying, in implementing something like this? So the platform is able to do what it's able to do. Um Obviously, we have done it for so many of our customers. Um, the process doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be reinvented. You know, the process is already there. Best, best practice implementation has already been figured out and done many, many times over. The biggest risk is really the people. Mm. Um, change is not easy. No one's going to say that change is easy. So it's, it's the willingness of the organization to be able to go through the change because it will be painful. You know, people will have to change the way they're doing their work on a day-to-day -day basis. They would need to prioritize on top of all of the business problems that they're facing. They would really need to come together and collaborate and remove all of the, the politics, remove all of the, um, you know, um, the, the differences and making sure that this is what we're doing, this is what we want to implement, and see it through. Yeah, that's that's the biggest risk. If that is removed, so what we often say is, who when when I speak to a customer and it's a big implementation, I ask them who is our um, stakeholder, who is our executive stakeholder, and before we even sign a contract, I would love to speak to that. Um, yeah to that person. And I want to see their commitment <clears throat> and their willingness to see something through. And when they are engaged, I just know that we can make magic together. And that means that on a monthly basis, they would have to be involved. They can't just like push it aside. Oh, they're all handling it. No, I want them to be involved on a steering committee conversation on a monthly basis because nobody's going to be perfect. A lot of things will come up. We're going to have to make decisions on the fly in terms of those changes. There are a lot of unknowns that will happen, but it's a matter of being willing to work as two partners. We're not perfect. They're not perfect to, to see things through. And that's yeah. when we know that the 
the project will be very successful. Yeah. So it always comes down to awareness, education, culture, the people. Yeah, relationship yeah. and commitment. Because if, if they keep going, right, if they remember the initial reasons why they want to do things. So I always ask as well when we have our discovery, is this a structural issue? I try and figure out, is this a structural issue? If it's a structural issue, you know that that's like a, that will be a big priority. For example, in a house, my, my roof fell off. That's a structural issue, right? <laughs> but if I were to say like, oh, you know what? I need to paint the walls because I don't like, you know, I don't like how it looks like it doesn't go with my furniture. That's not a structural issue. That's more like, you know, just nice to have. Those yeah. are two different things. Um, I wouldn't say no to those type of projects, but I would know that, you know, when something comes up, obviously that will be put aside. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice to have. It's not, yeah. it's not a must have. Yes. So for a self-confessed non-technical person, um, you do speak, speaky talk a lot and you're quite versed in it. And lately I've noticed that you started talking a lot about um, Web3, NFTs, blockchain, all that sort of stuff. So how did that come about? Because that's not typically a marketeer's kind of conversation. Yeah, so I'm obsessed with it. And it's so funny because I never thought that I would. So I've been so in love with Salesforce for a very long time. I'm a very, like I said, I'm a non-technical person, but I love how it can transform businesses. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, like my fire, you know, the fire in my belly when I speak to a customer and I know that I can solve their issue because of the capability of the technology. That's what really, that's what kept it going all these years. Web3 came about because of my business partners. We're in technology, so we're always on the lookout for the latest innovation. Mm. Um, at first, I was like, the blockchain, I'm like, my head is like, oh my gosh, what now? It's like, it's so hard to understand. What's a blockchain? Like, And my friend, I, I remember like maybe five years ago, he was talking to me about crypto. It's like, oh, it's a block that has chains and, you know, it becomes like, all of the transactions are all um, duplicated in a block that makes it very strong. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how this relates to what I'm doing. Like, is that where my customer will put their data? During that time, it was very hard for him to explain it because we didn't have other applications of blockchain aside from crypto at that point. But that today has changed tremendously. A lot of companies are looking into how they can leverage blockchain to really like decentralize how we are storing data and how we're able to um, provide this economic benefit to all of our customers. How it came about, I just like realized how it could change and how it could truly dissolve the economic boundaries for everybody. And now I'm obsessed about learning it. So um, it, there isn't a lot of amazing content yet out there, but the one I'm learning right now is from Coursera. It's from INSEAD. I'm looking at, I'm just devouring as much as I can. And I just really see that this is a revolution. This is really going to change a lot of people's lives. And I want to be able to share this with as many people as I can so that they can all be part of this revolution and take advantage of, you know, the economic benefits. Mm -hmm. So like, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, what what should we know about this and uh, how, how could we or should we implement this in our future planning because you know end of financial year we're all doing future planning we're all getting ready for the next one two three four years so how does this 
impact even non-technical entrepreneurs? Yeah. So the first thing is just learn about it. Like speak to people who are offering it as a service. I have to admit, like right now, we're still like drawing up what, how this will, how we can offer this up as a service. So Salesforce just recently released NFT Cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So that was just released, I think, last week. So no one still knows, like we're all scrambling to learn what it will do for businesses. Right now, it's all about learning. It's just like reading about what blockchain is. And it's not that easy to understand, right? But learning as much as you can, NFT as well, um, seeing how other brands are leveraging NFTs, because that's, that's what will give you ideas. Figuring out how, for example, if you've got e-commerce, how can I offer crypto as a payment? Seeing as everyone's talking about this, this is a an acceptable currency now like we're seeing in the u.s that they're already providing regulations which means that it's going to become mainstream if the government's accepting it as a currency already we're seeing brands offering the facility for companies for, for individuals to be able to receive crypto payments um, for me nft is like social media i think a time will come where every brand will be will have an nft page in the same way that I think every brand will have a metaverse page, just like we have websites. So when I started in social media, I met a lot of companies who are like, oh, I don't know how to use social media. I think it's very risky for our brand to put um, everything out there. They were very risk averse. But can you imagine a company now without social media? Mm. And that's the same thing that I see. NFT is like the next level in terms of community building same as social media, except that it will promote more loyalty from the community because you can actually share some of your profits. You can really share and enrich a lot of your community's um, lives because mm -hmm. of the facility and the ability of this technology. It's about the capability of this um, technology. So how do you see that happen? Because, you know, if you look at mainstream media, the, um, the discussion around NFT, it, it almost feels like um a vanity project like oh look i have like this this picture of a monkey and it looks yes. you know <laughs> you know yeah. i can buy it for like 25 million dollars and it yeah. almost feels like you it's know, a big flex yes yeah um so how do we go from that and not much not so much that understanding but that sort of perception to yeah. this is actually a tool that businesses can use Yes. What has to change in between? Well, as people get to learn about the benefits of it, and when I say people, more like companies and business leaders, right now, a lot of companies are figuring out the best way to offer the service. It is still clunky, Ivanka, to be, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, buying your NFT is so hard because you have to have a crypto wallet. You need to fund that crypto wallet and and then you need to you know be able to buy that it's not that easy i'd have to admit like even myself i'm like that's why i said learn as much as you can because i'm i'm just learning myself and then being able to discern what will be a great investment over what's just going to flop and where mm. companies will just be doing rug pulls a lot of cert companies now are still trying to figure out the best way that they can service companies. And I haven't seen a lot of agencies saying, hey, we can help you build your metaverse. Um, we can help you build your NFTs. But for me, 
it's moving really fast. So mm. we're seeing that the whole we're in a bear market now. So I honestly think that this is the best time for companies to start building their plans because after the bear market comes a bull market, right? I'm seeing a lot of investments in private sector, all of these um, uh, startups in this space. That's when things will change. When we're seeing that companies and agencies are making it easy, that's all happening now. So for me, what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to tell everybody, just learn. Learn mm -hmm. as much as you can. Everyone is just trying to figure things out. No one has the right um, solution. No one has the right service. No one has the right way to do things. Um, but, you know, that's why this is, space is so exciting. Everyone is, is a very, we're all in a level playing field. No one has 10 years experience <laughs> because it just kind of like started, right? Yeah. You have all of these investors, but yeah, it's not, they're all just trying to figure things out. This is where the opportunity is. So when this whole dot-com started, that's what happened. Those who took advantage, those who really saw the opportunity and built it are now the trillion dollar companies. Yeah. So I'm not saying we're going to be trillion dollar companies, but let's just look at it, learn it, don't dismiss it, really see how, what kind of opportunities it will bring about. If you have a social page right now, if you have an e-commerce, like thinking about, okay, how can I enable crypto payments using my, um, you know, um, using my e-commerce site? Because... Mm -hmm. I think um, they made an announcement that um, any web or WordPress site, you should be able to enable crypto payments. Hmm. It's things like that. Just having your finger on the pulse. That's number one. And then number two, looking for community managers who's got experience in terms of building NFTs on um, Discord, on Twitter, like just having that conversation with them. What is it that they're doing different? And what are, what is the value that they're seeing having those communities um, in Discord and Twitter, while when they're building their NFT, I'm so sorry about that. That's on my side, like, what's that me? My apologies. And then social media. Why would I build um, all of these communities on the other side of the fence? What's the difference? So just like understanding the benefits. How can I use blockchain to be able to store, you know, my customer data? These are asking the right questions is a good start. And that's yeah. all I can say for now. I'm very new to it. I'm just learning as a business. We're learning as much as we can, figuring out the best way that we can be able to offer this service yeah. very soon. Yeah. Well, I have to admit, I'm so glad you said like asking the right questions because that's right up my alley. Because <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we teach our clients is to really understand the power of questions and to create clarity through asking questions. So I yes. think that's a that's a wonderful way to sort of pull it all together. Um, I must that's admit, where wisdom begins. For me, asking yeah. the right questions, empowering questions. There are empowering yeah. questions. That's where wisdom begins. Yeah. So it's it's really your uh, open open mindedness, willingness to willingness to learn and to grow, and that's you know for any any startup entrepreneur that's really um, or you know growth entrepreneur that's that's the basis of of future growth. So asking questions, I did pull up um, your LinkedIn um, URL. So it's basically your your name, Pauline Panger. Um, is there another preferred way for people to contact you or are you happy to accept messages via LinkedIn? What, I'm, what happy to, 
I'm happy to accept messages via LinkedIn. I'm very um, responsive. Um, yeah, like I love connecting with people. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Don't go yet. We'll yeah. just finish it off offline. But I'm um, I'm ending the stream now. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. Yeah. And um, I really I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's fantastic. I just love the fact that for a self-proclaimed non-technical person, <laughs> you get really excited about talking techie stuff. <laughs> Kindred spirits. So, so thank you very much and um, good luck with the next financial year and um, the growth of your business and achieving your personal goals. But like I said, don't go yet because we're not done. Thank you.